Hello and welcome to the Ideal Nutrition Podcast. This is episode 78. My name is Aidan Muir and I'm here with my co-host Leah Heigl and today we are talking all about lectins and I suppose looking at it from the perspective of what are they, why should they matter, if they matter, how much should we care about them and what should we do about them. This is a topic that I probably don't see as much as Leah does see. I feel like it's a little bit more relevant in, in her space. Mm-hmm. And because of that, and also because Leah's done a blog post on this. so Yeah, that's helpful. Very, that's very <laughs> helpful as well. We're going to be looking at it through the lens of me interviewing Leah. I've obviously done a bit of reading, done some research and everything like that, but I still think it would be more helpful if we do it in that format. So starting with the basics, what are lectins? So lectins are a type of protein that are found in a range of foods. Um, They're basically grouped together based on the fact that they are proteins that bind to carbohydrates. Um, And this feature is usually like people talk about it in plants in terms of like a protection mechanism in plants um, because basically what this does is makes them resistant to digestion um, and they're not very uh, like they are very stable in an acidic environment so the human stomach obviously quite an acidic environment um, and that's usually to facilitate the breakdown of different foods but lectins are particularly resistant to being broken down because of this function that they have have with uh, binding to carbohydrates. What are they in? They're in a fair bit. They plant foods predominantly. Um, so we're mainly looking at legumes, soy foods, grains, all different kinds of vegetables, but particularly nightshades. Mm-hmm. Um, some nuts, including things like cashews and peanuts, um, also in a lot of seeds different fruits so i'm just naming a lot of plant foods right now because that's predominantly what they're in um i think it's interesting to note that gluten found in wheat products is also technically considered a lectin um and lectins are also found in some non-plant-based foods uh being some dairy products like a1 protein is a lectin-like protein um can be found in eggs in small quantities and meat from animals that have been fed corn and soy as well and lectins are like, they're a variety of things. It's like a group of things. It's a, it's a group of things. So yeah. there's all different kinds of lectins and there are, you know, different ones that have different functions and are in different foods. Um, they're just pretty much grouped together based on the fact that they're proteins that bind to carbohydrates and that covers a ton of different things. Yeah, cool. Did you see the case study kind of thing on like red kidney beans? I think it was like uncooked red kidney beans and like... A group of people, they get hospitalized or they or they got like, yeah, yeah, vomiting, diarrhea, those kind of things. Like, and somebody claimed to have only eaten four of them. Only four? Yeah. Okay, was, I didn't I, see I that. Think, <laughs> I think they were soaked, but they were uncooked. Yeah. So the lectins in uh, uncooked red kidney beans are considered like poisonous to humans and can have like the effect of diarrhea, vomiting, like your body just wants to get rid of them. But um, during the like soaking and cooking process, they are broken down. So it's actually not an issue when it comes to cooked red kidney beans. So just don't eat uncooked red kidney beans and like you'll be okay. (laughs) I also like that because it comes out from that, I suppose that nuanced perspective of being Mm -hmm. like, these things do exist and are relevant and it's worth having some awareness of them. They're like, definitely, like, they're a thing and yeah. there are times where they can be quite harmful to our health. It's just usually in circumstances that you wouldn't typically eat them. Like, we're not going to have a lot of 
uncooked legumes in our diet. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of the time, like processes like like cooking, soaking, sprouting, that's actually going to reduce the lectin content of things quite dramatically. And therefore it doesn't really, you know, that's how we usually eat them. So it doesn't matter. Yeah, cool. And I guess looking at it from that perspective of like, why are people proposing that we should be avoiding lectins? Yeah, so there's quite like quite a few different reasons. I think um, the first thing to start off with is there's it's pretty much just one one guy that's like really <laughs> anti-lectin, and his name is Dr. Grundy, and he wrote a book called The Plant Paradox. Um, and a lot of the different reasons why people started avoiding lectins, or at least kind of why it got popular, comes from this book. Um, so a few reasons that he notes is that. A, some lectins are actually poisonous uh, or toxic to humans. So things like, you know, the the lectins in in red kidney beans when they're uncooked. Um, So, you know, that that is a real thing, uh, but not all lectins are like that. So that's also important to note. Um, The second reason that is probably the most cited reason uh, for removing lectins from someone's diet is that you quote unquote, can't digest them, digest them. So they are resistant to digestion in the gastrointestinal tract, but that doesn't necessarily make them bad either. Like there are a lot of things in our diet which are non-digestible or hard to digest. So things like dietary fiber, things like FODMAPs that are really great for you and really great for gut health overall. But yeah, technically you can't digest them. Um, But that is one of the reasons that is heavily cited for not eating lectins yeah cool and like i i'm pretty like anti going after one person or anything like that it's part of part of a philosophy i've developed over sure. the years but like when you google lectins it is just dr gundry coming up everywhere videos everything like that he's definitely the most popular person yeah. i think he is the one that popularized it with the book the plant paradox yeah. and there are a lot of like celebrities and stuff that like jumped on his bandwagon and kind of like held yeah. him up as like this person that knew this like amazing thing that no one else did so that's the only reason i mentioned because if you google it he's the only one that yeah. comes up so i think it's worth mentioning that that's kind of where this is coming from yeah 100 percent. and like i i even though it is all like mostly popularized by one person I still do see these questions just coming from the average person. And it's almost like, I don't, know, I don't think Chinese whispers is the right word, but it's almost like it's come from here and there's kind of been passed along to a few, a few mm. people. And then it is, it is not an uncommon question being like, say people start looking into plant-based diets, they hear about lectins and how we should be avoiding them or whatever. And then it becomes confusing. Yeah. And I think the hard part is it like, like we've said, it's like, it comes from a grain of truth in terms of like, not yeah. all of this is false. Like, there are reasons why you would avoid certain lectins, like AKA in red kidney beans, etc. Um, or there are reasons why lectins, I guess, can have a negative impact on certain things. Like we might talk about nutrient yeah. absorption soon. Um, so it comes from this grain of truth and then it's just been taken way too far. So lectins can reduce nutrient absorption of stuff like iron, zinc and calcium. How relevant is that? Honestly, I feel like it is barely relevant at all because I think if if we look at plant-based foods, right, like there are a lot of things that we call like anti-nutrients in plant-based foods. So even things like oxalates and phytates and and all these other things in plant-based foods that do reduce the absorption of things like like iron, zinc, calcium, other nutrients. Um, But it doesn't make those foods 
bad for you. It just usually means that if you're getting a lot of these nutrients from these plant-based foods that contain these anti-nutrients, whether it's lectins or things like phytates and oxalates, you probably just need to increase your overall intake of those particular foods and get a little bit more in. Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. Another area where it's like, it's relevant. Anti-nutrients matter. Yeah. But there's also ways. But it's not like you, it's the solution isn't avoiding the anti-nutrients. It's just having more of the nutrients to kind of combat that limited absorption from the lectins. Um, So, because like a a lectin-free diet is kind of almost heading more towards the carnivore spectrum where you are cutting out just a ton of really awesome foods. So overall, you're decreasing usually the quality of your diet in order to uh, avoid these anti-nutrients. So like, it just doesn't make much sense to me. Yeah. And like, I suppose like jumping on that bandwagon, like one of my first thoughts whenever like overly simplistically assessing certain claims about dietary approaches and stuff like that is we do see research on plant-based diets and longevity showing on average people who follow plant-based diets live longer. Mm. From memory, the studies on vegan, vegan diets showing like 10 years longer than the average. It's quite significant. Quite significant. And I, amongst other people, can point at a lot of flaws in that, like healthy user bias and stuff like that. But one of the things that I think is super, super relevant is if we look at it through the lens of how some people are proposing this, as in lectins are toxins that build up in your body over time Mm. and uh, these anti-nutrients that cause all of these issues, they're specifically being linked to autoimmune conditions and stuff like that um, as well. How is this 10 years extra lifespan also occurring as well? It's like those two things just can't simultaneously be factual, Mm. right? Like a lot of people, like particularly Dr. Grundy and people that follow his um his teachings kind of say that lectins do cause things like weight gain and like gastrointestinal disorders and yeah like you're saying like allergies and a, like different kind of autoimmune disorders but we know that people that eat a ton of these plant-based foods overall tend to be pretty healthy or healthier than people that avoid them or have very little plant diversity yeah and specifically on the legumes topic there's um there's these areas called the blue zones People can poke holes in this, but you can poke holes in everything. But there's areas called the blue zones that are three times more likely than Australians to live to 100 years old. And almost every single one of them has a high... These populations have high intakes of legumes specifically. It, it, it is hard to argue at a population level that our, our health concerns are being brought upon by too much legumes. <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> yes. When we can look at that and then also be like in Australia, do we consume many legumes to start off with? Like yeah. if we look at it from the also from the fruit and vegetable intake, like this is a commonly claimed or a commonly cited kind of stat, but it's like if we look at just the recommended daily intake of fruits and vegetables in Australia, six percent of people do that, reach that target. Mm-hmm. It, it's hard to be like these are the issues. <laughs> yeah, the reason we're all sick is because we're eating way too many fruits and vegetables and legumes and nuts and seeds. So yeah. just yeah, that doesn't check out. I don't know. So I know <laughs> I know that's overly simplistic, but it, yeah. it is it is something to factor in amongst everything else. We're it's worth here noting as well. for sure. Um, jumping on the the weight loss kind of thing as well, because that that is a common claim: go yeah. lactin free. Um, that causes weight loss. One, I guess, we can address from the calories perspective, but then also. You can also share your thoughts as to why you think this is anecdotally happening. 
I honestly think it comes down to like if you're going from a, a diet where you're really not thinking about what you're eating and then you're overall like changing it up to a more whole food based diet, you're putting more effort into your nutrition. I think there's a chance that your calorie intake's probably going to decrease and that's probably going to have an impact on, you know, weight loss, weight management long term. But when we look at like the there is no actual evidence to suggest that going lectin free or like low lectin is going to improve fat loss or weight loss outcomes. Um, so it really does just come from this anecdotal evidence where I think it's just people eating less calories because they've made these changes to their diet and they've lost weight because of that. Are there any studies at all? Like, like as a genuine question, are there any studies at all on a lectin-free diet directly? Not that I am aware of currently. Yeah. Not Especially not looking at um, like weight loss or weight management. I think even even for other areas, like even just immune conditions and stuff like that. Even just other things, it's it's slim to none. There's yeah. nothing like obviously you can extrapolate some research, kind of looking at specific foods that are high in lectins, like your your legume based foods, and, and try to extrapolate that to outcomes with lectins. But there's nothing specific. No. Cool. Sharing my own thoughts on a lot of um, because yeah, off off air we were speaking about how like you go through the comments of the YouTube videos of, of people talking about low lectin diets and stuff like that. And a lot of the comments are supportive. Um, one mm. of the, one of the questions I, I genuinely actually do wonder is it's like, does Dr. Gundry have people commenting on his videos? Like, does he have stuff like, like yeah. I, I'm not actually like accusing that, but I'm like, <laughs> it, it seems like it's like, it's all it's positive weird, comments right? and stuff like that. It's like, are negative ones deleted? I, I actually don't know. But like, Regardless, I do think there is genuine positive comments in there and a lot of people who are experiencing these benefits and stuff like that. And looking at it through the lens of being like, okay, let's say there are a lot of people experiencing these benefits. Why do I think that is happening? Um, the weight loss one is simple. If you have to make a dramatic dietary change, oftentimes it results in a calorie deficit. Mm-hmm. Um, I've seen him talk and say things like, I think we should eat the way we used to eat 10,000 years ago. And it's like, if you do that, you do have a minimally processed diet you probably end up consuming fewer calories. Like that's yeah. not, not necessarily surprising. Um, with certain autoimmune conditions and stuff like that as well, it's like, well, there is a dramatic change in your diet once again. Some of those dramatic changes can also coincide with things that may or may not improve your autoimmune condition as well. Um, gastrointestinal stuff, lectins can be difficult to digest. Yeah, yeah, They absolutely. can also overlap with a lot of high FODMAP foods as well. They can overlap with other food chemicals as well, such as salicylates too. Once again, making this change might cause those results, even though it's not necessarily only due to lectins or even largely due to lectins. It could be part of the puzzle. Yeah, could yeah. be part of the puzzle for sure. Um, and then I've seen other people like commenting about like, I used to have eczema, now I don't. That like mm. I've spoken previously about salicylates and eczema, how there is a bit of like, there's not masses of research on this, but if I was interpreting the research, it seems based on the research we've got somewhere between about 60 to 80% of people who have eczema, if they went low salicylate would notice improvement. Mm-hmm. If you cut out lectins, you would also be cutting out salicylates. So it's like, I, I suppose I say that because it's like from personal experience, there are people who will try a low lectin diet and notice benefit and then hear us talking and be like, nah, this is ridiculous. Like, sure, yeah, Don't, don't knock true. it till you try it. But yeah. I'm like, there, there is a lot of potential factors going into why there is these positive benefits for a lot of people as well. Yeah, there's so much overlap with other things. Yeah, like the food chemicals, FODMAPs, general dietary changes that, that could be, you know, 
I think uh, your anecdotal evidence is not <laughs> shouldn't be the be all and end all because there is so much overlap with other things. And while we've spoken about like how there could be indirectly benefits selectins through other components of foods and stuff like that, being like plant based diets consistently linked with health outcomes and stuff mm. like that, are there any benefits to lectins themselves directly? So there's a, there's a few things that I like to hit on when people ask me that, and the first one is like you know, lectins do potentially have a number of health benefits in them, but like in themselves. So some lectins do act as antioxidants to protect the body's cells from damage. So we know antioxidants are usually a helpful thing to have in your diet and some lectins act that way in the body. Um, secondary to that, they also slow digestion and absorption of carbohydrates, which can have you staying, you know, fuller for longer and prevent sharp increases in blood glucose levels. If that's something, you know, from a health perspective that, you know, is, is beneficial to you. Um, so, you know, that's a factor as well. There is some research in lectins as anti-cancer treatments, but I'm not jumping on that bandwagon anytime soon after looking at, you know, the very, very kind of slim pickings of research that there is. But hey, early days, like potentially, like, you know, again, like diets that are rich in plant-based foods potentially have those better health outcomes overall. So maybe in relation to cancer as well. And this may play a role. Um, and there is also a, like a wide array of research showing that, you know, you have these lectin containing foods that we've t- t- like we've spoken about in terms of legumes, whole grains, nuts, seeds, they have been associated with lower rates of type two diabetes, cardiovascular disease, and are generally beneficial in maintaining a healthy weight. So whilst it's not, it may not be due to lectins, it's these foods, we know they have good health outcomes overall, um, and a lot of these foods have, are they a great source of different vitamins and minerals and contribute to an overall good quality diet? Cool. So I guess summarizing in a way that we, we've already kind of summarized, but I like summarizing anyway. If somebody was thinking about consuming more of these lectin containing foods, how much should they care about lectins? Should they do anything about it beyond the red kidney beans or just kidney beans, like yeah. cooking them beyond, beyond that aspect? Is there anything you think people should do with this? Yeah, I think talking about lectins is almost for the general person overcomplicating something that doesn't need to be complicated. Um, I think if you have trouble digesting some of these foods, sometimes extra soaking, sprouting, cooking could be beneficial from the reduction of lectin content, but also like its impact on FODMAP content, even of different foods, et cetera. Um, But overall, I would say don't worry about lectins and just try to include these foods pretty regularly because they're they're pretty awesome. Awesome. Sounds good. Well, this has been episode 78 of the Ideal Nutrition Podcast. As always, if you could please leave a rating and a review if you haven't already, that would be massively appreciated. But thank you for tuning in.